I'm Eamon. I'm Merlin. And we're a gay. And his MB. It is episode six here, another episode of a gay and his MB. We are so excited to get to it today. But before we get started, I want to do a quick shout out to Mr. Frank Catania Sr. <laughs> I literally, when uh, Frank Catania had liked uh, our uh, post on our uh, Instagram, by the way, follow us on all our social media on TikTok, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, etc. We post clips from the podcast every week, uh, and he <laughs> liked our t- our post. Pra- uh, you particularly praising uh, his uh, physical fuckability. prowess. That's, well, <laughs> well, that's a nice way to put it. His fuckability. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, yes, but his fuckability is based on his physical prowess. Yeah, literally, I got the notification for that and had to call Merlin at work and just like fan over that. But so I mean, it wasn't even just that he liked it, but he shared the tweet in his Instagram story, or not tweet, but he shared the, the, the reel in his Instagram story. So like, I, I'm just over the moon about it. We love you, Frank. Uh, yes. You are my most fuckable uh, New Jersey house husband. But yes, thank you, Frank. And thank you for everyone uh, listening to us here on Apple, Spotify, wherever you listen to us uh, here for a gay and his MB. What do we have uh, packed in for this week's show this week, Merlin? So we have a little bit less this week uh, because Potomac <laughs> Potomac was taking its week off, right, for the for that soup spoon thing. Oh, the Rihanna concert. That's right. Um, also, congratulations to Rihanna on a second pregnancy absolutely killing it and up there doing all that dancing and all that performing with a baby in your belly. Absolutely stunning. I mean, beyond the fact that we won't get into it too much, but like the dialogue online I was seeing from people being like, Oh, well she was marking choreo. Oh, it's like one beyond the fact that she was pregnant. She was dancing for two motherfuckers, but also like, I don't know if many people have seen a Rihanna performance. She's not known for like intense choreo. She's not Beyonce. She's a different style of performer. She doesn't do like like the sharp hits. She does like the chill, laid back dancing. And like that was evident in everything that her dancers were doing. That's evident in her music. So like if you thought you were going to get out there and get like uh, a drill team type performance. She's not the one. No, but I, it was a great performance and I, I enjoyed the soup spoon as we called it, uh, as, as a whole, I kind of embraced my inner straight person the whole night that I think you were very confused by. Yeah. Well, I know enough of sports to get some, look, I was raised in front of Sunday football, so I get it. Um, I avoided it as much as possible, but like, like you throw the ball, people chase it, and like either people scream in agony or people scream in happiness. That's, That's a good it. way to put it. It's yeah. the whole game. But no, what do, what do we have on tap this week? All right, so we have um, we have this uh, second episode of Real Housewives of New Jersey. Uh, we also have the fourteenth episode of uh, Real Housewives of Miami for this season. We've got episode two of Vanderpump Rules, but first, as always, as always, Drag Race. This we have a lot to say about this episode of Drag Race. By the way, we have a lot to say about every episode of Drag Race. To be clear, oh uh, well, I I think we're going to be very uh, uh, a little more pessimistic this episode in terms of in terms of one particular part of this episode, but we'll get to it. Um, so they're coming back in from the workroom as Robin Fierce went home last week. Um, and then we get back into the sort of scrapping between uh, 
Mistress Isabel Brooks and Malaysia Baby Doll Fox, which we didn't really get as, I mean, Mistress kind of got word to her of like sort of what happened in Untucked when she was still on the main stage and basically brought this up to Malaysia. I think you and I are kind of both in agreement of like, we're kind of on Mistress's side in this, at least in terms of this episode and this section of the, the disputes. Yes. I think at this point, um, um, Malaysia is in her feels unnecessarily and she just needs to let it go. Yeah. I just think like, you know, and mistress's point was just like, I have no problem. Like saying like, like if I upset you unintentionally or unintentionally, like I have no problem apologizing for it. And like, but like, I need to know that. And it can't be like this, like passive aggressive, like sort of. Right. Like, do I think, mistress overstepped in her humor and the way that she was interacting with Malaysia. Yes. Do I think that Malaysia should have then communicated that oversteppage, um, the over overstepation (laughs) of the humoration, um, to, okay, Wendy. (laughs) Um, so do I think she should have communicated that? To mistress, yes. And at that point is where it breaks down because um, Malaysia's allowed to be upset, but she's not allowed to hold mistress accountable when mistress has no way to know that she's overstepped. Sure. And mistress does offer an apology and kind of Malaysia is very, like you said, in her feelings yeah. and not responding. And well, and, th- and then mistress kind of like chuckles from getting no response and Malaysia goes, it's not funny. Oh no, <laughs> which, it was funny at that point. Which I was like, okay, this is okay. And then also her, well, we don't see it directly, but like her and Sasha Colby, mistress and Sasha Colby, Sasha tries to sort of like speak for Malaysia in that regard and mistress in her confessional being like, I don't need you to be the mother and figure and like say, like give us a lesson like your Dumbledore, (laughs) (laughs) which, okay. To be clear. Okay. Sasha Colby is mother. (laughs) If there is anyone that is mother, it is Sasha Colby (laughs) period. Um, but no, I mean, you know, I think that's more just like general, like, tiff you know sort of stuff um but it seems that it kind of subsides by at least by the end of the episode which is good i don't think it'll dwell for too long um but we go back to the workroom the next day and we get the challenge for this week which is the acting challenge they are redoing the daytona wins from last season but this time instead of it being sort of like the like telenovela style um, you know, vibe that they had last year. They're going with a more sitcom style, which that was a choice. Well, I, it was a choice if that's what they gave us, <laughs> but we'll get to that. Um, but and part of me feels like I can't even criticize that because how much of that was cut and thrown onto the, the uh, cutting room floor because MTV is doing all this fuckery with the episode. Well, ratings. no, I don't think that I don't think that was the case this time around. As much as like, yes, it was the you know I would have always always loved a ninety minute episode and it would have given more context. There was nothing more time could do to fix the choice that they made with this challenge because like yeah, but some of it was good. I I thought there were pieces of this um, that were funny that 
Um, but a lot of it they just hung on to too long. Well, yeah, and it was well, excruciating. And we'll, well, and we'll get to why. Like, I think it was really good in the rehearsal. Like in the rehearsal, the little bits that we saw, I thought, yeah. I th- I thought it was great, and I would have loved. For once, a challenge was written well. Yeah, for the most part. I, I mean, th- well, for drag, it race. wasn't over. Th- <laughs> well. Yes. <laughs> yes. In the basic writing of the challenge, as we would think it were to be, it wasn't overwritten as challenges usually are on Drag Race. Right. Like, but again... It all came down to the edit. And the edit, I think, ruined some of the performances that were good on camera and just ruined... They they gilded their own lily. RuPaul's and it's Drag like, Race has fucked up drag, is what yes. you're saying. <laughs> has, no, RuPaul's Drag Race... Has fucked up RuPaul's Drag Race. There we go. Well, yeah. At least acting challenges. I'm like, yeah. Yeah, I'm not the biggest fan of these ever, really. But um, so Aura has to assign the parts for everyone because she won the challenge um, from last week. And Aura is, you know, she wants the main role originally. And she says immediately, I'm going to take it. Um, and then they start sort of reading through things in the workroom and she doesn't, she's basically like, I don't get any of these references, which are all like basic drag race references, which I, I think that was the main like consensus online, which is like, how are you going on a show where you don't know the references of the show? Yeah. It's one thing to not know. I mean, say what you will about not knowing queer references with, with sure. her story and whatnot, but like. If you're going on to Drag Race, you at least need to know the Drag Race references. And it's not like they don't beat them over the head with it every chance they get. Like, oh, yeah. You know. I mean, they reuse them and reuse them so often that they've almost lost their original context, which is what really made them funny to begin with. Right. Um, and Mistress kind of played a good game here in terms of like seeing Aura struggling because she had originally wanted this part and Mistress being like, hey, do you want to switch parts? Because I think you'll do better in this part if you don't like know the rep. And Aura's like, yeah, that makes perfect sense. But people were right to point out that like, but I mean. It was sneaky, but I think she was also trying to rescue a sister. But if you're also like going to do tactics, like people talk about using tactics or whatever, that's a good actual like good tactic i feel like to you know i i think it came off seamlessly in my view yeah i like i said i if was there a ulterior motive yeah probably but i think her first indication was geez she's struggling oh she's got the part i wanted to begin with yeah i'll offer to switch with her yeah i i think her first her first indication was to help because that's what I hear of her character outside of what we've seen on the show. Right. Yeah. So um, they go into rehearsal or in um, the actual filming, I should say, of the piece. Um, I I will say this. And I think she did something last season in the same sort of challenge. I can't remember. Rue is actually really, really good at giving directions in an acting challenge and, yeah. and directing. Like, I... I really hate the when Michelle does it personally, because I think Michelle does the whole reality thing of just like if someone messes up, they kind of give like the confused face and then just be like, okay, do it again. Okay. No, but without actually giving any guidance, Rue actually directs like a director would. Yeah. It's, um, she is to acting challenges. What Ross is to the entire show. (laughs) Yeah. Useless and mainly frustrating. Yeah. But like it's sometimes you get, 
you know, I think because it's like a competition or whatever, they they don't want to do it. But I like that Rue will be like, no, do it. Say it specifically like this, like and like repeat it back to them, which you would do as a director. Like that, like if they're not giving a certain thing, like act it out for them to where they can repeat it. It's not, you know, but even so, I mean, it didn't even that work that well for spice was really struggling in this, in this filming. At one Mm. point Rue was just like, okay, but you need it to be, it needs to be more like sitcom style where there's like the pause and stuff like that. And spice is like, Oh, I get it. So you want me to go deeper in my voice? And it's like, no, she didn't say that. Like, like spice wasn't like sugar would have been the better twin in this. (laughs) Well, <laughs> but I think, and it, we, I think we're going to get to it later in the judging and possibly in future episodes that it's starting to like the rehearsal of spice and, and sugar and spice, mm-hmm. the, is what's in, they can't be in the moment and like live in right. the moment and sort of like, which I think is partly their age. I think it's partly their like, you know, the way they're kind of were brought up as twins. Like there's sort of like when you don't listen, like yeah. there, you know, Well, and we also like, you, we also have to talk about like the generational implications, right? Like right. when, um, when, cause I, I would assume that they are, how old are they? At least in their like really early twenties, like 22, 23, yeah. something like that. Um, I w- I mean that puts them into older Gen Z like kind of in that zennial um transition time. Mm-hmm. Um so I I can only assume that they were still coming up and had very much instilled into them the perfection is the only option mindset. Sure. And they talked about in like a uh, talked a couple episodes ago about like seemed like kind of a real strict upbringing in terms yeah. of their family. So I can see where it's like, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely battled some of that perfection is the only way to do things. Uh, listen to everyone out there listening. Um, anything that is worth doing, the rest of that saying should not be is worth doing right. Anything worth doing is actually worth fucking up. Sure. Because it's better to take action and do something wrong than to never do anything at all. Yeah. I agree. Um, so we go to the runway. Uh, the runway for this week is puffer, please. Puffer um, looks, puffer yeah. jackets, puffer sleeves, puffer anything puffer. Yep. Um, definitely both a reference to Daytona winds and another word that we're not going to say on this podcast because uh, well, we glow in the dark. But also... I I'm just getting that by the way that the puffer is the wow. really yeah <laughs> I'm just getting that it's a fart reference my god yeah um, it's Daytona wins but it's also literally replacing the n word yeah also well, sure well Rue loves that joke Rue loves to make a uh-huh. insert thing please joke she loves that joke and it is very uncomfortable sometimes um but we go down the runway. I thought this was an overall good way, runway. I thought some of them could have gone a little bit bolder in terms of like, like to me, I think puffer, I think go f- like as huge as fucking possible. Like, like I want to see a Macy's day parade blimp. <laughs> like I want to see that Shangela. Remember that Shangela all stars look where it like blew up on the runway and like sort of grew. And it was like this like spiky, it was on no. that one season of All Stars, the one that she famously lost. <laughs> um, but like, 
I thought they were, it was kind of a muted puffer in a way. There were a lot of good designs though. I thought I'm Sasha Colby never looks bad. Like, yeah. Yeah. And that like black and yellow, like sort of like, you know, different, it was a lot, but in a way that was still like gave such a look and such a like wow factor. Um, I also thought Malaysia looked great. I think this is the best Malaysia's looked on the runway. This like lemonade style, like yeah. lemon print with like the little like uh purse that was the lemonade uh box. Um, I thought it was really good as well. And I also really, really loved Anitra's uh like red and pink sort of like I love a stripper look. And, and there's something about a stripper look that really gets me. She said that on her um, confessional, she said, I'm representing the Nevada state bird, which is a prostitute. Uh- <laughs> um, I, yeah, I really liked her look. Um, I loved, um, I loved most of mistress's look. I didn't think that the, mm. the panty looked right. It looked more diapery on her. And I think it was just the cut of the garment. It was like, bulging in places it should not have been it was diapery i think that was the one difficulty with puffer like you have to sort of like keep that balance and yeah i mean um say what you will about the rest of her look because i know you weren't happy about it but i felt like Marsha had a more successful puffed panty sure (laughs) um it it did not yeah it didn't sag i guess you could say i think that yeah. was the biggest is- issue with mistresses yeah. i think what marsha's look was just it's it's it seemed a little too simple i like, i i thought it was a good idea um after watching the um fashion photo review uh with raven and raja um i can understand where they were coming from and why they ended up booting it I still thought it was a successful look overall. Yeah. Um, but that's can just we, me. Can we also talk about Selena's look? Selena's titties. I like. I, I love Selena. I hated this look. So I didn't. You don't like when it's a jacket that doesn't have any kind of like reveal to it. Or right. Something like Why are you doing a jacket is not a look. A jacket is a jacket that goes over a look. I'm, I'm of the opinion that a jacket could be a look. I think. I didn't mind the jacket. My bigger issue was the gag at the end. So she uh, on the like puffer pieces of this is all like clear. So they have like little Mm -hmm. like trinkets and stuff like that in it. She had like Cheetos and like, you know, and she was like eating a bag of Cheetos on the way in because she was giving basically like this like sort of like they're flaming hot Cheetos too. It's not just regular old Cheetos. But then she does the She's like, oh, I got my gag where she flashes her panties, which are also in the see through puffer thing. And she has two flaming out cheetos in there and it did not look right <laughs> to me it looked like a uh bloody cat poo it looked like she had like like a tapeworm like a little like, <laughs> like it was just the shape of it and like the, the how bright red it was it was like this is and maybe that was like the double entendre of what she was trying to do with the maybe look. um either way i didn't like it no um I, but I love Selena. I am always going to be behind her, except not on this look. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I, there's a lot of people who are iffy on her and which I've seen on social media, but I really like Selena in terms of like what she's bringing. I, I, for the most part, I think she has a good understanding of things in general. Yeah. Um, so we get to the challenge. What the fuck was this? <laughs> what the actual, we were watching it in just like, like 
so confused. I think the other Stunned thing Stunned silence, I think, is the apt description. I think you were talking about it earlier of just like we couldn't enjoy anyone because we were just confused as to what was happening. And I had originally thought they were like referencing like because it's like a sitcom thing and they're in like a house and it's like the whole thing is like this whole family dynamic and they're mourning um the I don't even remember the story last year about Daytona wins, but there was like a main guy who was like a, you know, and anyways, but I they think can't. last year there was like a wedding that was getting called off because there was like a jilted lover that came in at the end and like sweep the husband away or something. Right. And then the, hu- the husband is dead now in this um, new one. The, the father, the father. Okay. But like, <laughs> they just started like doing these, like they would make a joke and then there would be like no laugh track over it intentionally. And like, like you could hear like coughing in the back, like the, the whole like silence with the added cough in the back. So, you know, it's extra like bad. Yeah. The, the and joke th- is that this is a sitcom that's not funny. And so the studio audience is not laughing, but also, but it was like such a delay in it. And then they would also do these weird zoom ins. Like they would do, the, like they had that thing where the ants came in or whatever, mm-hmm. but like they would like zoom in like real close on the ants in like red lighting and like stay on it for too long. I originally, like, I was like, are they trying to reference like WandaVision? Cause I was like, this feels like, like the moments where like I, and I'm not a Marvel person, by the way, Merlin, Merlin is trying to like slowly get me into Marvel stuff. It's not working. But like the whole, when she, uh, what's her name? Bla- no, not red widow. What's the Wanda? Wanda. Sure. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, I didn't think like, whatever. It's named Wanda vision because it's Wanda. And, and vision. vision. I know vision. I, but like <laughs> when she's having the moments of like, having like the flashbacks or whatever, or the moments where she like, you know, is like almost trying to like snap out of this, like simulation or whatever she's in. I thought that that's what they were referencing. Right. When they were doing these, like, Oh no, I didn't get that at all. Well, and then at a certain point, like it just keeps on going that way. And I, and at one point I was like, are they like doing like an adult swim reference? But like, why? And then come to find out that's exactly what they were doing because the whole thing was in tribute to Tim and Eric. Awesome show. Great job. I don't know why, because neither of them were there. Neither of them were the guest judges. Like I do not understand why they made that choice. Yeah. It was real awkward and real. Um, I felt like there were punchlines that were delivered well by the, by the cast. They were completely ruined by that weird gap and cough thing that they were doing. And it was just, it was awful. But also like, and, and so Danny Trejo shows up but they were like teasing that somebody big shows up. I love Danny Trejo. Don't understand why that's a big deal. Is he on that show? I don't think I haven't watched him and Eric in a long time. I used to be a big adult swim fan and I, and I love, there's a genre of that style of show, but one you have to know what you're getting into. Like you can't just spring that on an unsuspecting audience and think they're going to get the reference and think they're going to get the style of show. Yeah. I feel like there's not a lot of crossover um, audience for drag race and this. Very what is it little. Called? T- Tim, and, Tim Eric? and Eric. You, yeah. See, you don't even know. Like I've never even heard of this thing, but it's that, it's that, it's like the Eric Andre style of comedy where it's okay. Really, like, 
it's you know yeah it's very much you have to know what you're getting into and if you are in the right mindset for it yeah it's probably really funny but i do not understand why they chose to go this route whatsoever like especially like the guest judge was on some like the that was an actor but he's from like some like serious show i can't remember well like, no i mean what we do in the shadows is definitely comedy oh, okay. um, i don't watch it <laughs> it's a it's a satirical show about vampires. But it's not Tim and it is not adult swim style from no. my understanding. No. Like I do for the life of me did not understand why they made that decision. So in the top we have Malaysia, Mistress, Anitra, and Marsha. And then in the bottom we have Spice, we have Aura, and we have Jax. I don't even distinctly remember like i literally was like what did they show of Jax's performance i thought they had literally like cut it because and probably from the fact that I was so distracted by everything <laughs> like i could not remember a single line delivery that she gave um was Jax the character that took the mother into the kitchen and then literally stayed there the entire rest of the show maybe I, like but and well her character also was when they were picking the parts like she was like oh the description says she's a stoner so i can like resonate yes. with that yeah she was like a the assistant or something to the to the mother which also i love that rue and the critiques was just like when jacks was like yeah i kind of got to focus on the fact that it was a stoner character to where i had to act a certain way and rue was like yeah the thing about it was you just needed to make it funny <laughs> like it was like i love when rue was just like yeah but you just weren't funny so yeah, but that's also not like I know that Rue was being more helpful than other directors we've had in the past, but she was still not being very helpful in what we saw with Jax. Sure. She was just doing more of that do it again and giving very less helpful direction to her. And I feel like I just don't feel like Rue was giving very helpful direction to Jax. Um, and she was giving more helpful direction to other people. Um, and I feel like what happens and what usually happens even on the runway is that Rue will give helpful suggestions to people that she wants to keep around and to people that she's kind of written off as you're not winning. She just stops trying. Yeah, I agree. And then we also, well, and then we finally get this sort of like, I think, long awaited confrontation between spice and the judges about the sort of repetitiveness of the looks and also what she's been presenting and the rehearsal element of it. Um, and this was getting, this is, I think this is a conflict we're going to be seeing brewing for a little bit. I think on this show, I hope not. I'm kind of hoping that she, um, you know, gets her shit together or goes home because it's, become extremely frustrating night i mean we don't usually talk in depth about the runway looks but her look again this week her look was better than it has been um and i feel like it wasn't a constant echo of the same bando and miniskirt right but um i still felt like it looked like spice i felt like it um overall looked good i just thought it wasn't up to par with like it didn't do anything extra didn't do anything special it was pretty but um beyond that she's cute yeah 
So Mistress ends up winning this week's challenge. Congratulations to her. I think it was really well-deserved. I agree. I think she put in a lot of good effort uh, and got the part she wanted. So at the end of the day, that worked out. And then the bottom two, we have Aura and we have Jax. Uh, and they lip-sync oh, to... Oh, before we get to that, where um, uh, Spice got critiqued for oh, always yes. doing this cutesy, cutesy bullshit. And then... They tell her she's safe, and then she does it again with the little, like, tiny little clutch on the purse and then the tiptoeing away thing. And then Michelle got laser eyes. (laughs) And Rue literally says, "Uh, cue the sniper rifle. It was great. Yeah, she's got a... I mean, it's bold. I mean, it's bold with her to, you know... It was great television, but ooh, it was not a good move. Yeah, but Aura, Aura and Jax are in the bottom, and they lip sync to Sweetest Pie by Megan Thee Stallion and Dua Lipa. Uh, I was surprised that this is apparently the first Megan Thee Stallion song on Drag Race. I thought it was really good. It yeah. was really well done. Yeah, the, the rap is a little difficult, but I think they both did pretty well. Jax obviously killed it in terms of all the, like... I mean, the acrobatics, but also the vibe of the song. She had energy. She had good energy. Like, I think she delivered in a big way. I completely agree. So um, we are halfway through the season now. Um, So it is time to start looking ahead at who we think might end up at the end of all this. Um, They, in recent years, have done top four. So... I mean, who do you think that could be? Who who are you looking at? Well, I mean, I think, you know, Saja Colby, I think, really sticks out. I think Mistress, obviously, is really asserting herself and sort of being like the narrator of the season and everything that she's been bringing to the show. Um, I also really like Lux. I think Lux is always towards the top of the pack. And and I always have a soft spot for Anitra as well. And, and I'm glad that she's kind of rebounded a little bit from like a couple weeks of being safe. Um, from and having an amazing performance the first week. Those, that's who I would hope at the end of the day would be my top four. Um, I tend to agree. Um, I think, um, it is possible for Lucy to edge in there, right? But she needs to separate herself from the pack. Um, she needs to really pull ahead, and like her looks are great, and like on any other season, she'd be in the top three every week. But it's just not hitting, and she has mentioned that and untucked and being unfresh, being you know frustrated about how she hasn't been in the top three really, and um, you know she really just wants to stand out, and I think that she can. I think she can get to that top four situation, but uh, she's going to have to step it up. But I'd really love to see her there because she is a great competitor. Yeah, I agree completely. Um, so we're going to take a quick commercial break. And when we come back, we're going to be talking all things Real Housewives. Don't go anywhere. Well, hello, friends. I'm your pal in the mainstream media. And, and I'm the Riz. And, and you know, Riz, it takes years of strenuous, dedicated training before you're worthy to step inside a professional wrestling ring. But it takes even more time to develop complex, highly astute opinions about professional wrestling. Am I right? That is correct. Yes. And you know where we can combine that? Yes. On a wrestling man. That's right. 
Sidekick Media Services. We are your sidekick in business for social media, video production, and more. Find out more at SidekickMediaServices.com. Welcome back to A Gay and His NB, and we are starting in on our Bravo, Bravo, fucking Bravo section. Um, we are starting off with Real Housewives of New Jersey. Yeah, Jersey, we saw, I mean, we last week's premiere was really good. I think they continued on with the momentum. I think we're seeing a lot more of the uh, intenser drama that we're going to see fleshed out later in the season, kind of getting its start this episode, which I'm excited about. Um, but we come back from the sort of aftermath of the photo shoots for the calendar and uh, Jennifer storming off and Dolores and her getting into the issue that they were having. Um, I'm, I think we both in the greens. I think we're kind of with Dolores on terms of this fight. Yeah. Like I, I, she really had been kind of all last season sort of been accused of being like the sort of like middle, you know, never taking a side, but at, at a certain point was always, when they played back the clips from last season, like she did defend Jennifer a lot against everybody. She went up against every other member of that cast for Jennifer and for Jennifer to turn around and put it on Dolores. I love Dolores. I'm a Dolores Stan tattoo it on my butt. Um, this woman is phenomenal. I love her. She's probably my favorite member of the cast. I have a feeling this could be her season in terms of like getting a really big, like vocal role yeah because i think some people think she kind of is sort of more of a background character in many sense like, i think she took that role um because Teresa has in the past been so um dominant dominant and well but less dominant and more um strict about who she allows close to her yeah and you know last season there was such a huge schism in the cast you know, between the people on Teresa's side and the people against Teresa. And it's been that way for a few seasons now. And Dolores, at the end of the day, wanted to be with Teresa. And so she knew that if she wanted to do that, she had to take a step back and not really challenge her on anything. And I'm glad that she's, at the end of last season and now, really kind of standing up for herself and like, no, I'm not going to deal with this anymore. Like, I'm going to have a voice and you're going to listen to me. Well, and we'll talk uh, later in the episode, too. But I thought it was very interesting also that Teresa's kind of being peacemaker. And yeah, like, that was weird. And like playing Switzerland, I guess you could say, between her and Jennifer. Um, I think it's an interesting turn of events in terms of that. Like regard. invasion of the body snatchers over here. What's going on in Jersey? Yes. Um, but then we sort of uh, get a look at, you know, everyone's kind of going through uh, throughout their week. Uh, that dig that uh, Olivia, uh, Jennifer's daughter, got in on her about. Uh, I forgot even what it was in the context of, but her being like, oh, and me fall and risk my beautiful nose that's actually natural. <laughs> and the look on Jennifer's face, I th Someone the said look it, on my face, jeez. But it was almost Jennifer's look, someone said, was like, both like, really, girl? But also like, almost prideful. Of oh, yeah. Like, yes, you're my daughter. Like, you know how to read. Her daughter continued to show out every time she was on screen this episode. It was gold. Yeah. So, and then there's, there's also the big development. So we were at Jennifer's house and Danielle comes over with her kids to kind of, I guess, have like a little like play date, I guess, with the two kids to get to know each other better. Um, they sort of like, and, but, and Danielle's like 
going like gaga over Jennifer's house, which they used to, you know, kind of crap on Jennifer's house in like past seasons for being a little too over the top. I I love her house. Personally. Look, she still didn't need to stop and list off the fact that they had a basketball court and all no. of these things. Like she is pretentious about her house. But I'm. But I mean, I think she's earned it. At the end of the day, if you got the money and you, I, you know, it's housewives. At the end of the day, I mean, fair, but 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 besides that, so they sort of get to talking over like cheese and fruit and stuff like that. Um, and, uh, they eventually FaceTime Teresa to sort of, uh, see what Teresa, you know, about the kind of reconciliation between her and Margaret from last episode mm-hmm. and see how that went. And then we find out all the stuff about how, uh, cause Jennifer is basically asking Teresa, like, did you ask her about Laura? Uh, and Teresa's like, no, I didn't bring it up. And apparently this girl, Laura, who is an ex-friend of Margaret's. Who we've seen on the show before. In like very, never like in like talking things. Right. She's been at parties. She's been at events and stuff like that. And Margaret says later, like she was like a childhood best friend. So like this clearly is like. Yeah. Longstanding. Um, And that basically at some point, Laura, according to Jennifer, was emailing her and Teresa stuff about Margaret and about like basically being like, I have information on her that I think you should know about. I, I, that is interesting uh, to, to go back over kind of the phrasing of, um, Jennifer asking Teresa if she had brought it up to Margaret. Yeah. Which to me makes it seem like maybe Jennifer did have the intent. I mean, they get in, to the fight later in the episode, but maybe Jennifer did have the intention of bringing that to Margaret and not letting it get out anywhere. Well, yeah. And I think, you know, there's a debate. I think the debate that hopefully we'll see receipts from is whether or not this was Laura going to them and trying to be messy herself or, you know, Margaret says that it seemed like Jennifer was digging for info. Which Jennifer has a history of doing. Well, and but I mean, there was that whole dialogue last season, too. And I think Jennifer made fair points about the difference between, like, digging and, like... I, I think... I, I want to see how the dialogue actually went. That That's th- true. But when you have... At a certain point, you have to start looking at yourself when everybody and their mama starts bringing you dirt on people. Sure. Like, at that point, you have created a reputation of yourself as a bone carrier. And if you don't want that reputation, maybe don't wear those shoes. Well, I think it's also, like, I think it was interesting Jennifer was like, I thought, she said, I thought in the back of my head, if Margaret was in this situation, would she, you know, listen to this information and and take from it? And she was like, yeah, she would. And I do agree with her on that. I agree too. Margaret has has had sort of a reputation of being somebody that that has gotten information. I mean, she was the one that eventually got information on Bill cheating on Jennifer however many years ago. Mm -hmm. Like there, you know, people, I'm, you know, tree huggers cover your ears, but there are a lot of like Teresa fans that think like, you know, the, the fact that Margaret was digging for stuff about Louie, whether, you know, whether I that's thought valid you meant actual green tree or no, like, they call you, themselves tree huggers. No, I know, but I thought you meant like environmentalist. And oh, I'm like, yeah. what does this have to do with anything? Oh God. 
No, yes, environmentalists. Like, what are you going to shit on the environment for? What are you doing? But like, I, I Margaret does have that reputation as well. I think, and I think yeah. that's the and part of that allegedly is what Laura was saying was that Margaret has sort of dug up information on people, and it also made me think. Like, even Jackie has mentioned in the past. Like, there was that one comment Jackie made in like an after show. I think it was about how like you don't want to be on the wrong side of Margaret because she has basically implying that Margaret has info on you to sort of get back at you, which is, which is fair. And, um, you know, thinking about it, it could just be that I like Margaret better because she's against Teresa has been in the past. And I was very much not on Teresa's side on most of everything that's happened. In well, the past. and we'll, we'll get to the fight with her and Jennifer later. Cause I think they're that th- it's where I am with their dynamic. I think there are points on both sides, but also, Danielle mentioned asked like did she bring up anything anything else about anyone else in the group and Teresa and Jennifer go silent and they're like let's I don't want to bring that up and they're very much like I implying with their eyes but like being like we're not going to bring this up sort of thing and from what we know from filming and the reports from filming and sort of what has transpired on the season it seems like what they're hinting at is the um the rumor that had gone around that margaret was the one that was spreading stuff about melissa kissing another guy Mm. which was allegedly what led to this whole fallout that eventually led to melissa and joe not going to Teresa's wedding Mm. so we'll see how that plays out and see they didn't uh, to me the fact that they paused and gave a meaningful look means that they very much intended on bringing it up this season but they didn't want to bring it up yet To me, because if they didn't want to bring it up, they could have immediately just said no, and it would have been fine. Like, it never would have seen the light of day. But the fact that they knowingly left a gap there and kind of gave the eye wiggles and things to indicate that there was something there, there was a something to, to not talk about. To me, I think it's because... That would be the biggest T. I'm I'm not I wouldn't be surprised of the fact that Margaret was like maybe digging stuff on Jennifer or, or Teresa or anything. Like if she had done something to Melissa, that I would be actually surprised about. And that's why I think that's the kind of like Yeah, but I think I think Margaret's an equal opportunity gossiper. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. Um but so th- that goes down. We later go to Rachel, one of the new housewives and her house and sort of getting sort of a more like intimate view of her life um, with her family. I will say we had talked about her husband and sort of like the interestingness of his, he was more attractive this episode. Yes. And I think I figured out what makes his head look short and it's because he shaves the underside of his chin. Yeah. Like his beard only goes to his jawline. Like he, it doesn't go beyond that. So it makes the whole beard look cut off and it makes his head look cut and off. And it was a little too intense to wear. Like yes. th- it was a little bit more faded this time around to where it's, it looked better. And they talked about, she talked about their relationship and about how like he was kind of like trying to be like macho in the beginning and like sort of bragging that he had this like big pizzeria. And she was like, I don't give a fuck about your pizzeria <laughs> essentially. Um, I mean, um, I do like a good pizza. Yeah. But <laughs> I mean, Hey, um, but she, um, they have two like very young daughters, I think under the age of two, she said, and then she has an older stepson 
from, uh, I guess, a previous relationship of, of his. Um, and I thought what she was talking about, like being a stepmother, I thought was very interesting and sort of their dynamic and like that it kind of, they kind of have simply like it's not viewed in a separate light. It's just as she's his mother as much as anything. Yeah. Um, she's, I liked her in this segment. I thought she seemed very down to earth and very normal and not like, not like overly trying to put anything on for the cameras or like, yeah. And, and part of me really appreciates that at the end of the day. Yeah. I, um, I will say that as daunting as coming into a show like, um, real housewives in general, but especially Jersey where it's a very close knit, yeah. Um group and by and large new additions to the cast have not gone well. Cough cough the twins. Yeah. Oh god. Uh, or the Soggy twins. Flicker. Uh who or, we'll get to later. Um it you know, they're they are doing well, I think. I know it's only episode two, but I, I really like both of these new girls. Um I think that they're good additions and mesh well with yeah. everyone else. They don't feel like they stick out at all. Um, in a negative way, but they're not, and they're not trying too hard. I think also after the season of Salt Lake, oh, where yeah. like we had a lot of friends of who were like trying everything. Like it's nice to have people just sort of like be natural, yeah. And not Which have- is odd to think of in the Housewives, you know, air arena at all, because no, uh, yeah. nobody is natural. Everyone's plucked and prodded. Yeah. So so uh, we go on to um, Margaret having, I guess, sort of like a little girl's lunch or whatever at her place um, and uh, having some people over. Melissa brought over sprinkle cookies, <laughs> which uh, I thought it was funny. It's it's very funny. It's also very like, I mean, sure, it's a 11 year old joke, but whatever. Yeah, I mean, but I'm it. It was it's interesting that like. It made me think a lot about like eventually if this Teresa and Melissa dynamic is going to end, I which I feel like after this season, I feel like after this season, one of them's got to go based off of how things are, are looking like in terms of their dynamic since filming. I I think there is a lot of valid criticism about what does Melissa look like on the show without Teresa? Yes, but I... I think that if one of them was going to have a spinoff show, Teresa's would be more successful. No, absolutely. And I think that Melissa could exist on this show without Teresa, and it's fine. Um, I'm, I saying, just, I'm saying it more of the nicer version than what I've seen online. There's also a lot of, like, again, the tree hugger fandom that's very much like Melissa can't go one scene without talking about Teresa, which... Which, sure, but a lot of her storyline has revolved around that um, tumultuous relationship and the family dynamic. In fact, it's not even just her storyline. The entire show has really centered on, since the Manzos left, have really centered on the dynamic between Teresa and Joey and Melissa. Yeah. So, I mean... It's hard to break from that, I guess you could say. But without one of them on the show, maybe she would have that freedom. Either or, whoever is left would have that freedom. Um, but I think that if Teresa splits off, it should be her and Louie um, having a show together. It should be called Love Bubble. Oh, God. Um, <laughs> Can we retire that? <laughs> uh, I'm so over that. But no, so um, we get to this sort of like little party that Margaret's doing. Um, we find out that other Jennifer 
Jen Fessler, I think is her last name. I have to say her last name because I can't, I don't want to mix her up with the other Jennifer. Um, is that she became friends with Margaret through Siggy, who you mentioned before. Soggy Flicker. Soggy Flicker, I, which I did not think I would hear her name on TV again. I uh, was really hoping we never would. No, yeah. But they kind of do this like fun little game where they're like, yo, asking. I mean, unless like, she's being indicted for something, then I'd be happy to hear her name on TV. Sure. Um, but like they're doing this fun game where they're reading sort of like provocative questions and putting their answers in a bowl and reading and trying to guess who said what. We found out that apparently Joe Benigno likes um, blowjobs that truck drivers can see in, in his oh, car. Oh, no, we can't talk about sucking dick on the podcast anymore. Well, we TikTok. can talk about it on the podcast, but <laughs> we just can't post it on TikTok, apparently. TikTok will censor our clip. We see you, TikTok. But, and then, um, yeah, so they kind of discuss things, and um, Margaret brings again up the whole stuff with this Laura friend and how she kind of is off-put by Jennifer, uh, digging for it, and in her words... Um, we then later go to this first scene with Dolores and Polly, uh, Dolores' new mm-hmm. man, um, at his new apartment. I, I, all I could think about was his kitchen. He has a lot of like the, like, just like, you know, the refrigerator doors that are just a clear glass, like the mm-hmm. Yolanda Hadid f- refrigerators. I hate those. It was very like, um, a little too like a robot, like database, like it, it oh, didn't yeah. feel like a home. In many ways, but I will say I I think their dynamic seems really good from this like sort of early start in the beginning. It seems like Dolores is really happy. Um, they talk a bit about how they both feel that like Frank is a little like either off put or like unwilling to like maybe have more interactions with Polly out of either fear or like you know not wanting to overstep or just like too many in his emotions. I guess you could say, which I, I just, thought was interesting. I. As much as I love Dolores, I think that this is her fault. Yeah. Like, she didn't put a clear boundary in place when her and and Frank split. And they've remained so close over the years that um, they, even though they weren't in a relationship, quote unquote, they were still in a relationship. Yeah. And you can't, like, he feels like a third wheel now. And he he is. He's literally not connected to anybody else on the show, but he's still on the show. Yeah. Like. It's hard. It, it, it's to the point where now his girlfriend is now being introduced to the group. And he's still not a house husband. He's still not even a house boyfriend. He's a house ex. Sure. What are you doing here? But I also think, you know, people have always teased the idea of like, oh, Dolores and Frank should get back together. You know, and Dolores has been always really opposed to the idea. But we don't really feel the sense that Frank is necessarily opposed to it. I think like I think Frank would hope at the end of the day that there could have been something. I think based off of what Dolores said, there were a lot of mistakes that Frank made in their relationship. And it's just a hard line in that regard. Yeah. But, but I also think that Frank has grown a lot and matured a lot, even since he's been on the show. I don't know. And maybe it's just because I think he's the most fuckable husband on the show. But, um, um, so I do have a little bit of a soft spot, but you know, the, I I think he's really grown a lot and think that he could be what Dolores needs. Yeah. Um, but I don't know that Dolores would ever feel like she could trust him fully again, which I understand. I like once you've been cheated on, it's very hard to go back. Yeah. Um, so then we get to uh sort of Melissa and Joe 
uh, discussing things because they had mentioned earlier in the episode that they were going to this, like, I think it's like the, some MTV movie award or something. Then Teresa and Louie were also going to be there. And so they're sort of like debriefing about how it was awkward and how um, they, Joe, Joey was like, it's just sad how things are and like how, you know, we can't even take a picture together, etc. I, we had this discussion when it was happening. So also like prior to this episode airing, there was a leak of, um, not, not a leak. Teresa put it on uh, social. Teresa and or Louie sent it. Like that's the only thing that would make sense into who. Well, they were screenshots from Teresa's phone. Right. So you only get that by having her phone. Yeah. So Teresa released these uh, screenshots because there was a lot of talk last episode about how, you know, Melissa had texted her after the reunion and then didn't hear for three months. And then, um, then they started filming again and there were some, you talked about how, yes, there were some text messages in between that, but it was very superficial stuff, et cetera. But the one issue I have with what Joe Gorka is saying here is that there are the bigger thing for me is that there were text messages from Louie to Melissa and Joe in like this like group chat to inviting them to the uh, Teresa's 50th, which which, by the way, what we saw last week was a separate thing. This would have been something that was before filming started. Right. It, it was the off week camera. From what I can gather, it was a little trip um, like. Somewhere like it, it would have been like a vacation, essentially. Yeah, right, a little group vacation. Um, you know, no cameras before the show started, like the weekend before, I think. And like, I think Louie, in the tone of the text message, was just like, you know, we want to fix this thing, we want to get on the right track, etc. You know, let's do this off of TV because it's that's the part where it's like it's not healthy to try to fix this is on fix this on TV, which I totally agree with, and. Joe and Melissa are very just like definitively like we've seen this story, you know, five times over and, you know, we're done with it. It's no disrespect, but we're just done. We're, we don't want anything in terms of that. We're, you know, we, the line in the sand has been drawn. It's, but, it's good. But I do think that it's important to note that they specifically say, look, we're family, but we don't have to be friends and that's okay. Like, like we still have a relationship. We're we're family, but we are not friends. Like we don't have to act like we're like we don't have to go get our nails done together. That's fine. Right. But I just that's my thing is that though there they were also they were saying this in the sense that it was my issue was they were saying like, oh, Teresa only messaged us back like substantially when we were about to start filming, implying that Teresa is only attempting to do this because we're filming again, because we're in front of cameras, because she got embarrassed at the reunion and therefore she wants to save her public image. And to me, I feel Joe is doing the exact same thing. I, I, in terms of having this conversation on camera saying like, well, we couldn't even take a photo together at this uh, award show on the red carpet, you know, how, you know, how far have we fallen as a family, et cetera, et cetera, when beforehand you're drawing a line. And I'm not saying it's necessarily a bad thing to draw that line. I understand feeling like you're on a, on a hamster wheel with this situation and it's going to be the same thing over and over again. I get that. I understand that feeling based of the 10 plus years of what they've gone through plus some even before the show. But I feel like to say that in text messages before filming and then to on camera say this to me, it's kind of doing the same thing you're accusing Teresa of doing. I don't agree. Um, so here's the thing for me, cause 
Melissa tried to be done with this after the reunion last year. So that it was well before we started filming again, right? It was months. Um, and then this happened on the red carpet during filming. And I'd have to look back, but it was probably something that broke online that they didn't really acknowledge each other. There was like maybe, maybe a but- frustrating, like, so if it was in, like if it was already out there and already being said that they're like, they kind of have to do something like they ha- kind of have to at least mention it. Yeah. Like, and they had already mentioned previously that they were going to this. So if it didn't come back up again after the fact, it would have been weird. But I think my thing, let me, and to clarify, I don't think Joe is saying, I went up to her to ask if we could take a group picture and she said no. That's what I think happened. Well, maybe, but I think what he said, from what I got from what he said was, we're both so distant to where there was no instinct to get together and do a group photo. And to me, if I'm Teresa and I read those text messages back, I wouldn't have that instinct either. And also from last episode, when they were at the roller rink for that disco party, Teresa goes up, Teresa and Louie go up at one point and say hi to Joe. And Joe's kind of like, Hey, how's it going? And then kind of ignores, like, it's very, it's a very cold response. And so I think it's, and maybe Joe's point is it's both of us. And if, if I, I can understand that, but I also don't think that you can tell somebody I'm good like as firm as Melissa and Joe were in those text messages to Teresa and Louie, I'm good. We know where we stand period. I don't think then you can fault that person after, after that for not instinctually wanting something. See, I feel like you're putting the line in a place where it wasn't to me by reading that you're, you're reading and you know, I mean, it's open to interpretation, right? Because we don't have Melissa here. Sure. Um, but actually, we do. She's coming in right hey. now. Hi. No, I'm kidding. Um, no, like, we don't know exactly where that line was drawn. But for me, when I read that, I see we're not friends, but we're still family. I'm not super close with my brother, but if I'm going to an event, where I know he's also going to be there and we're on the red carpet together. Like we're not together, but he's like right there. I'd go, Hey, come take a picture. Like this is a once in a lifetime thing. We're not on red carpets all the time. This is kind of cool. Let's take a picture together. Like it doesn't matter where our relationship is. We could be fighting at that moment. And I would still say, Hey, let's take a picture. I think the problem is that both throughout the, both of them throughout the time on the show have accused each other and and Teresa has been accused of it particularly a lot from other people too as well in like older seasons of like playing to the media and like thinking they're this big star and like, you know, um you, like back in the earlier seasons it was the tabloids. It was that Teresa was right. always going to the tabloids to like tell all the stuff about everything that was going on. Like they're both kind of being accused of that so to me on a red carpet of a thing it's like are we doing this for the public or are we doing this for our family i think that's the and by the way i i also think in the sense that i agree with like dolores and everyone else who is like i think it's better if they probably go their separate ways i agree but that can't happen with them both staying on the show that's that's the thing um but then we go to uh danielle's house because she's doing a mozzarella 
uh, uh, demonstrations. You hated how to like it's mozzarella. You don't have to like mozzarella. Like I okay, Giada de Laurentiis. I get that y'all are Italian. I understand, but like you don't have to to like do the. I don't know how to explain the hand motion. You all know the hand motion. You know the hand motion he's making right now. (laughs) The Italian hand motion. Like, you don't have to do that every time that you say a word that is borrowed from Italian. You can just move forward. And then we also... So earlier in in the episode, we saw that Teresa was sending out her wedding invitations to everyone. And there was these, like, beautiful, like, placard sort of, like, uh, glass uh, placard things. Really beautiful stuff. And then we get to Danielle's house, and then we get the bomb drop that we all saw, which was that Ramona from Real Housewives of New York showed the invitation on her Instagram with the website and the password to get into the yep, registry. And the address to the to the where the ceremony was. And it's like, oh my God. And Teresa has to scramble and, and fix it, but absolutely hilarious. Yeah, so they um everyone's at Danielle's house for this uh mozzarella event. <laughs> that sentence alone is is crazy to me. Um, the only person that's not there is Jackie, and Danielle says she didn't invite Jackie because she was getting a bad vibe from her uh, at the recent events that they had been at. Because she didn't like being ignored when she was standing there and just being left out of the conversation. I think it's interesting the fact that if Jackie seems a little off this season, and and. I, it does feel like she's a little jealous of not being sort of like main cast member anymore. I think in the... I don't get that. Um, I think she's just... I think maybe we're just seeing a different Jackie than we've ever seen before. And we're not sure what that looks like yet uh, in terms of, you know, her mental health and her physical yeah. health. And she's more confident than she's ever been before. Which I saw uh, that she's coming out with a book, I think, sort of about her journey with her eating disorder and stuff like that. And and hopefully, and that I, I've always been appreciative of Jackie on this show and sort of her journey in that regard and, and, and everything that she sort of talked about. It just, at least with the newbies, she seems very like guard up with them. I mean, I can understand she was the new girl. So like her her new girl status is being stripped yeah. and she's stepping back from being a housewife and it's just a friend of now. So, I mean, I can understand it's a lot of transition for someone who f- didn't do well with transition before. And in fact, responded to transition with, you know, her eating disorder. Um, and so I, I can understand why it might trigger a little bit, right. but I think mostly she's just trying to stand up for herself more than she was before. Yeah. And then Margaret and Jennifer get into a fight immediately, <laughs> almost immediately in terms of their issues. It's really hard to follow their dynamic at this point. Yeah. Wait, who, who's uh, dynamic? Margaret Jen? and uh, Jennifer. Margaret and Jennifer. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, uh, yeah. It's, it, it, there's, they've both hit each other with blows to where nobody's first anymore and nobody's yeah. like on the high ground to where like. See, I feel like. And I said this while we were watching it. Why doesn't anybody just sit down and talk? I know. But <laughs> it's like, I think they also perform when they're in a group setting to like sort but of like. Also, if everybody just sat and talked down, talked through their issues, then it would just, it wouldn't be housewives. Yeah. And Margaret at one point says uh, that Jennifer has marijuana paranoia, which like, 
Jennifer was then saying marijuana paranoia, and I missed that Margaret had like I I thought she had just misheard her say paranoia as marijuana, but no, Margaret apparently said that. I don't know what that means. Well, I mean, there are um, there are some people that get paranoid um, with with pot usage, but um, for the most part, it doesn't affect people like that, and. Um, it seemed like a weird attack on pot usage. Yeah, it, it felt really weird. And also, like Margaret and or uh, Jennifer in her confessional, just being like, "What she think? I'm just like token up on the side, you know? I'm not like some crackhead." Yeah, you know the crackheads that smoke weed. <laughs> like I didn't get any. It's it's just it at a certain point becomes a little gibberish at this point. It, and Margaret was kind of like at that point as well, where it's just like this is a brick wall. She literally yells at one point, "Just drown me in the fucking pool." <laughs> And then it transitions to Dolores and Jennifer, and then they get into it as well. And Teresa is trying her best to like. Oh yeah, well, it got to Dolores because Teresa was like trying to calm it down, and then Jennifer's like throws some barb. Like it wasn't even directed at Dolores; it was just like collateral damage. <laughs> it was just like, what are you coming after her for? She's just sitting here, peaceful. And, and the best is uh, Jen Fessler was like. Trying to be like, guys, I think it's just like a miscommunication. And Dolores is me like, butt out of it, new gen. <laughs> she, I didn't missed that. she didn't specifically say that, but like, that's what it felt like. Oh, okay. Well, no wonder I missed it because it's not what And was then that. this was also the weird part where like Jen, the new gen was like being like hamming it up. And I can't understand why she used to be a friend of Siggy because she like, oh Lord, she starts shoving mozzarella in her mouth for some reason. I didn't know what she was doing. Uh, she's like eating Melissa's sandwich off on the side. Um, oh yeah, she at some point her and Melissa are just standing there, and she turns around and looks at the table between them and goes, "Is that yours?" And she goes, "Yeah, you can have it." And she just reaches down and grabs it. I thought she was reaching for a cocktail or something. Yeah. At least with alcohol, you kind of understand. And Melissa was like, "Yeah, it's really good." And then she picks it up and goes, "But there's mustard on it. How do you? How is it good?" And I'm like, "Really?" There's eating a scene, and then there's literally eating a scene. <laughs> All the mustard slander is just not. And then somehow this gets, oh, oh, because Teresa and Jennifer, it dies down a little bit. And then Teresa and Jennifer are talking and Jennifer's like, oh, God, I can't believe I have to go to the, your wedding with all these people. So Teresa brings up the seating at the wedding. And oh, then we, God. And then we get into this whole thing from the wedding party and where Melissa and Joe were seating it, said it and, you know, all the stuff from the reunion last about like them being seated at an opposite table from the family table and like it's it, you know and and they're going at it and i could again i also couldn't even follow this in terms of i feel like three different stories were being said particularly by teresa like it i was yeah. just confused about the whole dynamic and of it all and it's like none of you are listening to like again surprised with housewives but it's like oh my god none of you are listening to each other at this point yeah and i mean even uh, since, you know, I think it was yesterday, somebody um, sent out like a hand-drawn um, seating arrangement. Yeah, um, but it was allegedly. like, a, yeah, but it was, um, it was very, it was like, this doesn't prove anything. Like I could write this up and tweet it out, but it doesn't mean that it's real. It doesn't mean that it, like you could have, I don't get this. I don't get what you're trying to prove with this. It doesn't prove anything. Yeah, I just, I... Uh, I don't feel this is going to end anytime soon, obviously, between nope. these two, and it's it's just going to get worse, and even the preview for next week seems like even more intense stuff is getting into it with uh, Teresa's daughters, and 
comments that Joe and Melissa made on their podcast. And it's like, it's, it's just going to get worse from here. Um, but other than that, really good episode of Jersey overall. Yeah, really good. I'm really enjoying this season. Um, I think that it's definitely a better, a much better vibe than it was last year. Yeah. But let's move on to uh, the other Real Housewives franchise of this week, which is Real Housewives of Miami over on Peacock. Another really great episode. More from their trip in the Bahamas. And it's getting much more intense uh, in terms of all the dynamics. Surprise, surprise, now that Marisol's here. (laughs) You know, uh, we kind of come in from the uh, back end of Marisol coming in with the megaphone. And Adriana definitely looks upset about it. Um, You know, she was almost at a place with Alexia in terms of their dynamic. Uh, so they're still by the pool. Uh, Julia is admiring Lars's uh, ass in in her thought, which they've talked about. It. There's no way that that Lars's ass is 100 percent just working out and and absolutely not. There's no, they, but like also like good for her. I'm never going to shame somebody for getting work done that makes them more comfortable in their body. No, but I mean the fact that she won't cop to it is the is the thing. No, but like it's not a, nobody else's business at the end of the day. Like do you like what I look like or not? Like And clearly Julia does. Clearly. Because there was like a puddle of pool of uh, drool. Puddle of, of pool. <laughs> well, there was also a pool. But, <laughs> but uh, oh, and I also, and then Julia starts talking to Lisa <laughs> about uh, the Lenny's. And she literally uh, like asked uh, Lisa, how's the family? And Lisa just turns to her and goes, so fucked up. <laughs> Which I thought was such a like blunt way to say that. Um, but also, why are you asking that question? Bitch, you know what the family's like right now. It sucks. It, it's not good. Um, and Lisa talks about how, you know, you know, Lenny's saying that she wasn't home enough and stuff like that, which like, and, and I, I agree with Lisa in the sense of like, whether, you know, I can take, you know, I can take my faults in terms of this relationship, but that doesn't give anyone an excuse to do what Lenny's done. And I fully agree with that. That's something that you either need to communicate or something um lisa says that he she like wrote a letter to lenny to sort of like get her feelings across in writing and stuff like that he probably like threw it away she said which i'd have made a copy of that i mean yeah but i mean it's not surprised that lenny wouldn't you know engage. Um, he doesn't seem to be as engaged in terms of this true but i would use it in the divorce proceedings yeah like if you are going to sit here and not even engage with me when i'm trying to make peace even if we're not like repairing the relationship and getting back together, fine. But like, if the point is to have an amicable divorce where we are both walking away from this in the best possible situation and you won't engage, that's a problem. Then this judge that is presiding over this needs to be aware of that. And I need to present evidence of that fact. Yeah. So then Adriana tries to get back into the conversation with Alexia and with Marisol this time to sort of reconcile their issues. Um, Adriana is basically the core of what Adriana says she's really upset about is that, uh, when she was, got her divorce from Frederick and Frederick left her that, uh, Alexia and Marisol weren't there for her. Alexia said she didn't even really know what was going on in their dynamic and stuff like that, that they've been kind of distant since the time of filming, which, you know, I, 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 there's only a relationship is a two-way street i guess you could say and then this was like adriana was just kind of like throwing adriana has a tendency to like not get to the point of why she's upset but just start throwing stuff she said what was the thing she said about like 
she she has high cholesterol and can have a stroke and she's mad that like they didn't know that or something. It was like Yeah, it was like y'all are too stressful and like I could have a stroke at any moment and you're causing too much stress. Like what well, go it, away. It, it, it seemed more like the, the the she was saying the divorce was the one thing that was causing her stress and they should have known about this and like been there. It's like the, I love Marisol just but I don't I mean girl that's not my fault <laughs> at the end of the day and then all, again Adriana the the this whole episode of saying things she probably shouldn't at least in my opinion we'll get to it but like then brings up the fact that Marisol I was such a good friend to you because your old ex boy boyfriend or husband I can't remember I it, can't either it was was hitting on me or whatever and tried to hit me up after you uh broke up or whatever and like i told her you know i marisol's my friend etc and like he said you know what my you know my relationship with marisol i never loved marisol and everyone in the group was just like why are you saying this right now like that's not helpful <laughs> like that's not like you know you're just hurting her right now it doesn't you know because you held this for however long apparently Makes yeah, it better? No, that's not that's not great. I didn't get her point with that whatsoever. Um, and things are definitely not good in terms of their dynamic, as we'll see later. Um, so, and then later, Nicole and Larsa try to make up in terms of their issue this whole season. Um, and and Larsa, at least to, at least in Nicole's face, is very like seemingly apologetic and is very much like, you know. You said things, I said things. I think we both had our guards up and like we, you know, we should just, you know, put that to the side and sort of like get to know each other on a more personal level. And Nicole seems appreciative. And then like Nicole in her confessional is just being like, you know, I'm glad that Larsa can just admit that what she did was wrong. And then, you know, maybe we can move forward. And then Lar cut to Larsa's confessional. I mean, I'm not apologetic for anything I did, but like. <laughs> I just wanted to, you know, stop the repetitive aspect of it. And it's like, oh, my God, Lars. Yeah. You literally accused her of, like, a very salacious rumor that is seemingly completely false. Completely false. And, you know, but that's Larsa for you. Um, uh, Marisol and Alexia are talking about, um, you know, Marisol being back on this trip and about how the stuff with, like, she was worried that somebody was doing brujeria on her. And that that Marisol got uh, Julia's uh, stone that she had given her, and was and she said she threw it off the balcony because she is so worried about. Well, and she's saying that like I'm I have these like intense feelings. I can't really channel my mother right now, which is something that she apparently was able to do for like you know since her passing and stuff like that. Yeah. So something. I mean, it could be a. That's where I'm like, it could be a deeper. But there's like also a lot of different things that could affect that. So like, why are you blaming this little stone that your friend gave you? I think it was Nicole that said like, Julia is literally like f on a farm, like, like, you know, nurturing animals. And you think she's the one that's like trying to like cast a spell on you or something like, come on. Yeah. Like, I mean, to be fair, um, in the more traditional sense of what a witch looks like, I mean, she probably would be on a farm, a farm tending to animals. But I mean, you're more versed in the uh, the uh, the but, lore. But um, <laughs> but in the more stereotypical evil witch trying to cast curses at you, she's not like cackling in some high tower, slaving over a cauldron. Yeah. Like that's not julia like it's not her at all but they so they go to dinner later on the beach side 
um, at night and they have, the, they brought this like therapist healer woman um, to sort of do like a, a thing with it. They said it was a rage release ritual. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, I felt that it was weird calling it a ritual, but it's literally something that people do in therapy. Yeah. Like, um, like all therapy, you know, can be like attuned magically and have like things that, but a lot of, you know, spells that witches do really are based off of psychology and therapeutic practices and things like that. We just amplify that. Or as, as Kiki puts it, you know, it's like ejaculating. (laughs) (laughs) That was so weird. But, but she wasn't wrong necessarily. I mean, kind of, I mean, it is a buildup to a release. Um, but that's about as close as you get. Yeah, it was, it was, and I love that Nicole just being like, I think we are full, we're fine getting our rage out in this group. That's definitely not our issue. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that it is though for certain people, like, uh, I think that people will point their rage shallowly at each other when they aren't dealing with, with what's lurking under the surface and what they're really mad at. Yeah. Um, and people will go off on little stupid things and we've seen that a lot and that's across housewives um and reality tv really in general but people will get mad at people for stupid little things and never address the big issue of why they're upset in the first place where that rage is really stemming from yeah that's fair um but they get into dinner first off and then julia and marisol are getting into it about the whole like marisol like throwing away the stone and you know uh the whole witch element of it all and then that transition to julia and alexia getting into it and julia bring saying like you were in last night at the dinner you were shooting me that barracuda look that uh you were giving me the barracuda eyes and alexia is confused and as they're doing this lisa is like passing around her phone on the table pictures of a barracuda to get like a like it was it was it was i don't think it looked like her much no, Alexia's face is interesting. <laughs> I'll say that much. She's, I mean, but I mean, it's real housewives generally, but also it's Miami on top of that. Like everyone's got like a new face and a new, you know. yeah. but <laughs> uh, you know, they're getting, and you know, Julia thinks she's still harboring, Alexia's still harboring stuff from the Key West trip and their whole fight about, you know, Russian hookers and all that stuff. Like just the topics on this show. The like the words coming out of my mouth. I'm just like this is the show we watch. <laughs> um and then, you know, Marisol also brings up the with Adriana cuz Adriana tries to defend Julia and then Marisol and her get into it uh, and that Marisol was offended of how Adriana brought up the thing with her boyfriend um earlier in the day and like she she said like she didn't go into detail, but Marisol was saying in her confessional that like it was like a really heavy breakup, and like she, like she said she was almost like anorexic at one point because she was so upset. Like so, like it seemed like a really intense particular breakup mm-hmm. to where Adriana bringing it up kind of seemed like an extra low blow in that sense. Um, but you know they're in their dynamic, and then. Large, and then literally just passes around the table these fights because then it goes from there to Adriana and Larsa because Larsa is trying to like I think she starts trying to like get Adriana to talk about like the sort of core feeling of what she has about Alexia and Marisol and that she feels abandoned by them or whatever um, 
and kind of says what they were talking about when they were getting massages and how um, she basically said like, oh, you know, Alexia says all my life is a mystery. Bitch, look at your life or something like that regard. And then they get into a fight about the use of the word bitch. And like yeah. Adriana's like, no, I meant bitch. Like, you know, bitch. Like, <laughs> like. <laughs> this, it was so like stop and y'all that, knew what no stop yeah i we've had this discussion i think before about like we the the term bitch and how it kind of can who like in a recent housewives season was like really upset with the word bitch being used when i was, don't remember it, it's a very common uh uh offense that people have i think it was on beverly hills that makes sense yeah um oh and then so they just start yelling at each other and like lars is like i'll you know being like, I love Larsa being like, girl, if you keep going at going at me like this, I'll beat your ass. Like Larsa's gonna beat anyone's ass. <laughs> Larsa, like, uh, no. And then Adriana throws her drink seemingly for no reason. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's like, what is happening? Did you, did you have like a uh, a muscle spasm or something is like what's going on no if it, it, it and then she runs off to the therapist who who is not being paid enough um, no clearly not enough um i also love larsa saying in her confessional during this point that you know i never initiate conflict cut to the montage of every time this season <laughs> she's initiated conflict with someone it's like oh my god yeah yes larsa's the peacemaker um you know, Kiki is, and then what was like, Adriana is like crying to this therapist. And by the way, no tears. Like it was very much the, if I scrunch my face enough, I'll look like I'm crying sort of vibe. It was, yep. And she's crying about like, oh, if I'm going to die one day and no one's going to know I'm there and my dog's going to be like dead next to me on the ground. And I, and I remember making the comment, no, your dog's probably going to be fine because he'll eat you. Oh God. Like, it was like so intense for this conversation. Like maybe things are that deep seated between them, but it just doesn't feel like it. And then all, and then we cut and Kiki's peeing in the beach for some <laughs> reason. I don't know why she decided to like, just like Kiki was doing a lot this episode. I don't necessarily mind it, but like, it was like, this was kind of Kiki's episode in an undercover way. Um, I, I think you could blame a lot of it on the alcohol. Um, she seemed the most sober out of all of them, though. I would say, did she? I, I don't know. She's got a she's a she's a bit of a wild card. I like Kiki, and she talked though about how also like she really want she was really excited for the rage um he, ritual sort of thing because she had been cheated and she had talked a little bit how she's been cheated on in the past and but they don't really ever go into detail with it. Yeah, I would love to know like her. Well, story I mean, more kiki's a friend of right yeah so they're not gonna do that yeah <laughs> i mean the only the only friends of that they really invest in i feel like are the ogs like adriana and marisol but like are they friends of yeah they're not official housewives i didn't realize that yeah they're they're there's only so many mojitos apparently they can give out i mean it's like th- go to the bar order another one it's a mojito yeah i mean they're essentially housewives i think in the regard in that regard and it's I th- not like on beverly hills where they hold a diamond like no. you, diamonds are much harder to get a new one of than a mojito yeah and then so the, they eventually then do the rage thing where they're yelling out out at the beach and everyone's sort of like sort of half ass like uh, Lisa's yelling like fuck you Lenny and all and like but like 
Kiki was giving like a full Oscars, like, and it felt real. Like it didn't, yeah. it didn't seem fake, but it was like, she was like channeling Viola Davis, like straight up. Like, like it she was, was like, doing the full ugly cry, like snot thing. It was great. Like everyone's like, Oh, Kiki's into this. Like it was, it was a and then, look like rage. Like I said, this is something that people use in therapy. This is a thing that actually works. Like you can sit and start screaming. And even if at the beginning of it, you're not feeling like the anger and the release of all that stuff. Eventually, if you keep screaming long enough, it will dig up what is actually in there and will have a very, very real, very visceral breakthrough. It made me want to know more about like where that was coming from, from her. Cause like, yeah. it seemed very intense. And then like 10 seconds later, she's like <laughs> cuddling Gertie in her arms. Like, like that a was baby. So weird. <laughs> Not even like a baby. Like she had her, like she was like, she said she was in 69 position later in the episode, which I don't think that's what that was. That, uh, I, um, how do I say this and not get uh, taken off of every streaming platform out there? We're fine. Just I, can't put this on TikTok, apparently. <laughs> but um, um, due to the extensive amount of research I have and experience I've had in that situation, uh, that's not what that looks like. No, I'm just saying it was. Yeah, it was. It was very weird. But then like Lisa's talking to this therapist, like one-on-one like, yeah, I'm going through this divorce, et cetera. And as they're doing this, Gertie and, and Kiki like fall into her and knock her onto like the beach ground. Which, credit to the production team for playing that in the previews. Like she was tackling her yeah. on the beach. Like we thought it was coming to blows on this beach. But Lisa goes like full on into the water. Like just like like she got like tackled in a football game and, and Adriana's like leg gets like grazed by <laughs> like, she was doing the most. And oh Adriana's my God. Like they broke my foot. They broke my foot. They, like, it's like, like, girl, you're on sand. What? What? She did. When you keep replaying it back like that, she didn't do nothing to her foot. I'm sorry. Like I, I, this is where I'm with Alexia where it's just like, nothing happened there like come on like, she literally like hobbles over to a chair and then like gets like a member of the hotel staff to carry her back to her hotel room. which i love that he almost like dropped her because he was tripping on her dress and like, then like the next day she's in a wheelchair and all bandaged up it's like girl literally the next day they're all in one of their rooms to like get ready to go about the day and then they're like okay we're just gotta wait for julia and adriana and we just hear <laughs> and like oh and as soon as they rolled her in my girls i was like of course she's in a fucking wheelchair like this is ridiculous like much like um margaret last week with the wrist break next time we see adriana she's gonna be in a full body cast <laughs> It's just like, I mean, it just just keeps growing anything at this point, but like, so any, and at one point Julia in her confessional was because Julia is like tending to Adriana this whole time and is like, you know, I feel like the girls aren't really empathetic of of Adriana at all. I mean, she's a single mother, you know, raising a child by her. It's like, what does that have to do with her on a vacation with her foot? But also her child is like 20. Like if I like, he's definitely like. 
you know, he's out of the house. It's not like she's like raising a fight. It's like she's at, like, as if it's like Lisa's age, uh, Lisa's kid's age. Like, no, like she's not like this, like str- whatever. Like Audrey, I feel bad for Adriana in terms of like not having a, a husband and like sort of that regard. But like, come on, like it's not she's not like start staving over a kitchen stove. Like, you know, I, it's I thought that was odd. But um, so they go in, to the, get ready to start the day. And then Julie is also eavesdropping on, um, on the girls because they're talking about like the stuff with like the, um, the witch stuff or mm-hmm. whatever and all that stuff. And then Nicole reveals that she was on the phone with the woman who Julia's store they went to. And apparently it's not even a botanica. It's like a, it's just like a spiritual, like sort of like, um, I think they described it as like sort of like it's a, like a gift souvenir shop. stuff. Yeah, like a gift yeah. shop. And but because apparently when you use the word botanica, like it's set off alarm bell. Like it's yeah. got a particular like Yeah, like, like I said last week, it is specifically has a a association with Santeria specifically. Yeah. So that's probably I mean, that's the thing that also probably saw it. Alexia Marisol off. Yeah. I mean like guys, okay. Like be clearer in what shops you're going to scroll down to the bottom of a page of everything that you're reading online. Like, <laughs> like, like let's follow all the steps guys. Like let's, and apparently don't make, um, rash, uh, comparisons to other people's situations. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get to that. And we have kind of differing opinions on that, but so they go to this private island of off of the resort or whatever. Like literally, like Ella, Adriana is having to be carried into the boat, having to be, nah. or just is. Yeah, and they just leave the wheelchair on the dock, which I thought was funny. Yeah, um, it was a real forlorn shot of just the, <laughs> the li- wheelchair sitting on the dock by itself. And as they're boating to the the island, like they're dancing to Adriana's new song. And, and like dancing with the boat captain and all that stuff and having a good time. Like, shouldn't he be driving? Sure. And then, uh, but Adriana is literally like in her conventional being like, I was so happy that my song could bring us all together. Like, I feel real sentimental. Like she was acting as if like, this was like, this like healed everything in terms of this. Like it wouldn't have been the same situation if it was Camilla Cabello or something like that. Yeah. It's like they cut to Alexia and her confessional just being like, it was a good song. It's a good beat. It's very, uh, I like the beat. (laughs) Um, yeah, but, but Sheree was saying that real shadily, like everything that comes out of her mouth is. Yeah, but so they get to the island. Uh, they're all in the water and stuff like that. Kiki goes topless. Sure. Like, she's very free with herself. Like I said, doing the most this episode. And Adriana is, like, upset and stuff like that. They eventually get to this, like, sort of seated area. And, like, like Alexi, she tries to bring up the song thing about how it was a healing moment for everyone. And Alexi is just, like, breaks into her, like, that was just a really good song. Like it, we still have issues and uh, you know, I, you know, the talk about like, you know, Adriana is like putting stuff on and like, you know, is being a drama queen, et cetera, mm-hmm. about this stuff. And like, and at one point Adriana literally goes, why would you not like care for me and like be uh, you know empathetic of me as I broke my foot into a thousand pieces. It's like, Oh my God, we don't even th- like, it's not even been confirmed that you have a fracture girl. You have like a little bruise. It's fine. You're yeah. good. Um, and like Alexia, and this is where it gets bad because Alexia is like, well, I, girl, it's not really even that big of a deal. It was just an accident where they fell onto you. And 
Adriana, because we've, if you've learned anything on housewives is always go with a metaphor. They always tend to work. <laughs> Goes, well, you insert know, real of every time that metaphors have uh, never worked on this show on any show. And she goes, but it was it, just because it was an accident. Accidents can have consequences, you know, like Frankie. And everyone is just like, <clears throat> and I was, I was, we kind of differ. You sort of are more on Adriana's side. Not this. true. Not true. No, no. If you thought from our discussion earlier that I was on Adriana's side, you misinterpreted. So as you could probably guess, uh, Eamon is squarely not on Adriana's no. side here. Like I, I don't see any scenario where that was the right thing to do. No, I, I never said that it was the right thing to do. I never said that it was the best analogy to make. Sure. But I can understand why when you're in that situation in a a heated discussion where you are talking off the top of your head, nothing is prepared beforehand, right? Um, I can understand why you would reach for the example that is right in front of you that has to do with the person you're talking to's life. Yes. That is the most obvious place to go. And so I get why she went there. And I don't think that she necessarily should be attacked for using that analogy because at the end of the day, her point still stands. And her point is that people should like, I don't even remember what her point is. Actually, <laughs> what, at this yeah, point. That's but, like, what was her point? <laughs> but I, I seem to remember cause my brain and Miami just don't mesh super well. But I want to say that the reason that she, the, the whole point was that it doesn't matter if it was, if an, it was accident. an accident or not, the harm still exists. And that is something that is very like topical in today's society, right? It doesn't matter what your intentions were, the harm still happens. And that was the point of what she was saying. The accident, the fact that it was an accident means I can forgive them and move past it, but it doesn't mean that the harm doesn't exist. And there's like still damage done to my foot. Um, and she was making a say what you will, but it was an apt metaphor. I think the problem is, was it a touchy subject and should not have been gone to Sure. I think, but like, I think if there had been preparation for this conversation, she wouldn't have gone there. Maybe. Um, hopefully I, I would hope so. But I think like you, t- you mentioned like, you know, getting to the thing that would the most, the person would most understand right in that scenario. I also think that you kind of have to factor in the person. And we, we've said that Alexia is kind of like the Miami Teresa and with Teresa's history with analogies, they're but not great. I will also maintain that I don't think Jackie was in the wrong to make the metaphor that she made last season. Sure. So like, but if, I th- if you make an apt metaphor, I don't know why people get offended by the metaphor. Like it, even like with Jackie's case, it wasn't, it was a hypothetical. Nobody was saying that Gia was doing Coke. Right. But I also think that it's the degree. And in this case, it's the degree. Cause it's like, 
We, you didn't really hurt your foot. Let's be real. Let's let's that, just kid. You that, didn't really hurt your foot. She did. There's a bruise. Uh, there's a br- okay. Which we she, she did not break it to a thousand pieces. Is she drastically, drastically exaggerating what happened? Absolutely. I'm not maintaining she's even hurt. Like I, I am. I'm sorry. The, watch back the tape again. Of like it, she barely gets touched in that fight and immediately crumples to the ground like she's been shot. Like it's it, sure, but she's a drama queen. Leave her alone. And I think with also humor her a little bit, it'll be fine. Like I don't know why we have to like attack somebody for saying, "Hey, I want a little bit of attention right now." <laughs> Everyone deserves a little, but no, I think it's also all of these women are attention starved. And you know this because they're on reality television. That's fair. But I think the, like, especially like with the stuff earlier in the episode about like bringing up the Marisol boyfriend stuff. I don't think Alexia thinks that she's doing it from a good place. I think she's, I think she, I think she has a right to believe that in her head, Adriana was saying that to be a, to make it a low blow based off of their dynamic. Sure, but I don't think that that's the case. I think that Adriana literally just doesn't think through what she's saying. And but also in fairness to my and, and in fairness to myself, I also was the person that didn't think Alexia was making a low blow, bringing up the fact that the guy that Adriana was dating might be married. I but so maybe we're different. You know, maybe there's cross wires in that regard in terms of like they're both misinterpreting each other's intentions. Who knows? Yeah, but also like. She should have just scrolled to the bottom of the screen. <laughs> but very that. It, there is a difference in that um, Alexia literally just didn't follow through on her research as opposed to an off-the-cuff conversation where an off-color uh, metaphor, remark, whatever, didn't land the way that you wanted it to. Yeah. Again, it was an accident. The damage was still <laughs> done. But that, like, an accident is a different situation than something done with intention. And I do feel there was kind of a look of Adriana's face of, like, oh, shit, I shouldn't have said that. (laughs) Clearly, she understands after the fact, like, that wasn't the right thing to say. But I get why she went there, because that's going to elicit the most compassion from Alexia, because that is where her heart is. Sure. Uh, and but we get the big to be continued, and we and based off of like Alexia is like, if we thought she was you know aggressive before and willing to rip someone's head off before, I think it's I'm it's gonna be bad. But other than that, really good episode of Miami. I thought overall, oh one hundred percent. Never you know they really got the formula down, and they're they're doing big things, and I'm excited to see. Uh, the rest of the conclusion of this season. But we are going to take a quick commercial break. And when we come back, it is episode two of Vanderpump Rules. Don't go anywhere. Well, hello, friends. I'm your pal in the mainstream media. And, and you know, I'm the Riz. And, and you know, Riz, it takes years of strenuous, dedicated training before you're worthy to step inside a professional wrestling ring. But it takes even more time develop complex, highly astute opinions about professional wrestling. Am I right? That is correct. Yes. And you know where we can find that? Yes. On the Wrestling Man. That's right. Sidekick Media Services. We are your sidekick in business for social media, video production, and more. Find out more at sidekickmediaservices.com. 
Welcome back to A Gay and His MB. We're getting into our last section here with Vanderpump Rules. Another really good... This season, they've got their groove back, I think. Oh, yeah, completely. I, I really have enjoyed the, the little we've had so far of this season. And, and you know, it's apparently going to get even better in terms of, like, especially even, like, the the teaser for next week's episode, like the gloves start to eventually come off and like things are really going to get intense between everyone. But we start things off with going over to Schwartz and Sandy's as they're getting ready for the daily mail party and sort of making the finalized touches on the decor. And they have to actually get um, people to do the event, like bartenders and and waiters and stuff like that. So they're doing an interview process um, with uh, themselves and then the, their managing partner, Greg, um, this, the interview process for the, uh first note the fact that this waitress that they get is uh, Daisy but she spells it D A I S Y E like guys can we get can we get something together in terms of names and like not yeah. adding random letters to the end of people's names it's one of it's a pet peeve of mine that i know is really superficial and i mean i don't really feel like i have any like to stand on i picked probably the most pretentious name i could have when i was renaming myself that but but you spelled it properly at the end of the day i I mean that's fair but so and schwartz is kind of like being schwartz and sort of picking people more on personality than actual like resume or or skill and ability which i mean i get that i mean you gotta have a balance in that environment but also look where they came from like Sure. That's how Sir is staffed. That's how Pump was staffed. That's how Tom Tom was staffed. So, I mean, I guess with that background, you would probably want, you would probably use that as your groundwork, as yeah. your framework. I'm sure they're just like, Greg, I know like you're a businessman, but like we got to cast for a no- n- new season of a reality show. So, <laughs> I don't know that that's necessarily <laughs> what that's, was in front of their mind. I think that's the conversation mind. in the background that we but I don't, see. I don't know that they realize that that is why Sir is staffed the way that it's staffed. Sure. I think that they look at Sir and go, oh, well, this is a lot of big personalities and we really like had personal connections with these people and you know it was a family and that's kind of what we want to be here and so that's kind of what we're going to staff like yeah as opposed to going which i know was at least vanderpump's mind when she's staffing for sir is who is going to show up well on camera yeah (laughs) because that woman is a businesswoman (laughs) and at the end of the day she knows what she's doing yeah that's fair uh and then we go to uh Peter and Raquel going on their sort of date. <laughs> this freaking date. Oh, oh my, my God. God. Um, so immediately they're not vibing from the jump. Like, and they, well, Peter's, I think, trying a little harder and thinks there's more of a vibe than Raquel definitely does. Raquel is not like. Seeing Peter try this hard is weird. It's so, you were saying like, he's usually just a fuck boy. Why is he trying to like. It. Well, I mean, I get it. Like, he's at a certain point in his life where you kind of got to shit or get off the pot as far as I mean, he's probably older down. than Jax, and Jax waited way too fucking long. Oh, yeah. Um, but, I mean, even then, there's like an awkward age difference between him and Raquel, I feel yeah. like. Um, but it it's just, it's awkward. It's real awkward, and I'm not a fan. So, they're, and they're talking about that, because uh, Raquel just finished doing a, because pa- she's done pageants in the past that we've, you know, we've seen before in the show, but that she played, and she didn't place the best in this one, but it's her last pageant she can do 
because she's aged out of it. Because, in her words, Donald Trump set the rules of what the age limit is, huh. which is another thing we can uh, complain uh, with Donald Trump about <laughs> on a multitude of things. The another top being that she he made Raquel cry because she then starts bawling at this on this dinner date, and the look on Peter's face is just like, what do I do? <laughs> like, what do I do? Like, I it was. It, it was, was just odd. out of nowhere, just like burst into tears in the middle of this restaurant. And it's like, and what I, is going on? And when she explained it, I get it. She feels like, you know, all this time she spent with James, like she hasn't been able to sort of be independent of herself as a person at the end of the day. Like, it's not right. just simply in a relationship. It's like she ha- she doesn't have the sort of financial support system. She doesn't have the like, you know, education background and the sort of like job background and she doesn't know what she wants. She's got a degree. Oh, she does have a degree. You're right. She's just never used it. But she she doesn't know what she wants to do with her life at the end of the day. And I get that. I've had those feelings too. It's just very odd that this came up in the middle of this date and she just started bawling and crying. Yeah. And Peter tries to comfort her the best he can, but it's, yeah. Um, We then move on to uh, Lala and Katie going to get spray tans. Um, and then uh, Lala spends the whole time complimenting uh, Katie's uh, tits and ass. Yeah, and like Katie was, I felt bad for Katie being like, "That's the first time in a long time I've had like someone compliment my you know and it's like, features." Which, wow, like, Schwartz, good job, Schwartz. This whole like as they detail more about like everything that's gone on between him and Katie, it's just like, "Wow, good job, Schwartz. You real, you really did it." Like. <laughs> Um, and then, um, you know, Lala is talking, you know, Lala is texting with the guy, uh, that, uh, she met at James's, uh, hotel event, uh, mm-hmm. that she met up with and she, you know, she's, you know, still taking the stuff with Randall to heart and all that stuff. And, you know, she's worried about her sobriety and whether she can maintain it. And she's just really focused on keep, like, she's like, that's my end focus at the end of the day. I have to put everything to the back burner because I have a child and I have to, you know, stay sober. And, you know, she cries a little bit about it and smudges her spray tan, which was funny. <laughs> like, it, it, but at the end of the day, I do feel for Lala and we get more into Lala also, um, uh, later, um, and well, I, I think that's the next scene. Actually, we go to Lisa's uh, house. We go to Villa Rosa. Feels like forever we've been since we've been to Villa oh, Rosa. Oh yeah. Um, and uh, Lala comes by, and they sort of get to chatting in at uh, Lisa's uh, kitchen, and uh, <laughs> I get, somehow Lisa found out that her and James had fucked. That Lala and James had fucked during the because that was brought up last episode. Again, by the way. not just the first time, but like because it was at one point Lisa had asked her previously in previous seasons if they had slept together, and she had said just the once, and it apparently has now come out. It happened again after her and Randall were together, and after James, James and Raquel. Raquel were together. Yeah, so. Um, I love that Lisa just has all the, all the tea. It's just like, yes, she's a you, Brit. Of course she's got the tea. You were my former employee and all that stuff, but I'm just going to like, be like, Hey, who'd you, who'd you fuck? Like, I mean, she was doing it when they were actually employees. So that's fair. But then they sort of get into this conversation about the Randall stuff and how Lala is dealing with everything. And they kind of get into like, Lisa starts ask, like asking, like, did you really not see any signs like in terms of like everything that was like with everything with the LA times article and all that stuff. And like Lala's like breaking down and being like, 
like you think like understandably I, defensive. Like I can understand because defensive. people have been coming at her a lot. Like you should have known. Like how did you not know this? But defensive, but also like confidingly of of like don't you like I'm going through all the moments in my head thinking about did I miss like did I miss this stuff? Like did I you know could I have you know paid more attention in this regard? And she's upset and crying. Um, yeah, but I really felt in that moment she was kind of yelling at Lisa a little bit because Lisa was like, "Now hold on, that's not what I meant." Yeah, Lisa, like came I, here. I just meant have you looked back and seen the evidence that you missed? Yeah, and Lisa can be sometimes intense in her approach, and I think she, she's a Brit. Yeah, and but I think. Her point, too, was, like, you know, there was also a dynamic sort of around things of, like, we felt like we couldn't talk about Randall and, like, yep. you know, Tom, I think Sandoval hit on it at the reunion, which was, like, you can't really get on us of, like, why didn't you tell me anything about all this stuff that you've been hearing about Randall? It's, like, if you don't have an environment with us in which we think we can confidently confide in you about this stuff because that's your man and we have to, you know, lay off your man, et cetera. Like, we're not going to say that stuff, like, yeah. at the end of the day. Like, I can I can understand her putting that boundary in place to begin with, but I can also understand everybody else's frustration of, uh, but you're now yelling at us because we didn't cross your boundary. Right. And I get that, like, Lala's, like, she was in, I was in my mid-20s. Like I, like, I thought I had somebody who, like, loved me unconditionally. I get that. I think Lisa, though, like she said in her confessional, like when someone's waving a red flag, they're doing you a favor. I like that. Like, just like that was a good line. Like, you know, just be more observant at the end of the day. And I think that's a valuable lesson to anyone. Right. Like, it, it's an important lesson. But then Lala also talks about some of like the more like stuff that she's finding out now and about how like one because one of the big questions was like Randall was obviously married when the time him and Lala got together and that had been brought up in like when Lala first came on the show but like Lala claims that Randall was basically like I will take you to my therapist who I've had couples therapy with this with my wife with and she my therapist will tell you that that you know everything and that the therapist and that she actually did. And the therapist told her essentially like she couldn't take a hint in terms of it. He had been trying, he had basically told her it's over forever and she had been hanging on and not accepting it, et cetera. Right. And, and so then, that allowed Lala to believe that, you know, Randall was telling the truth. And then come to find out now Lala has a relationship with Randall's ex-wife and Randall and uh, the ex-wife had gone to this person for a couple's, counseling before they broke up and was literally the reason that they broke up. Yeah. Like it, like we were, um, very, uh, confused at first when we were hearing that and had to rewatch that scene a few times to really get what she was saying. But it seemed like she was saying that this therapist wasn't really a therapist and that she was a plant from Randall. Yeah. Like an actress or something like that was like, or someone he was fucking on the side. Yeah. Or both, you know, <laughs> yeah. cause he's apparently doing that casting couch thing. Yeah. So, I mean, it's all, it's all really blurry, but I think that was like a big bit of to you. And also, he's, and also Lala says that basically like he got with his, a new girl, like two days after Lala moved out. Yeah. So it was like real quick, like transition for him. And it's just like, uh, he's a scumbag at the end of the day. Yeah. I mean, I'm glad we can finally sort of like say it. Um, and then we go to Raquel's new studio apartment. Cause Sheena and Ariana are coming over. Um, I, 
I understand studio apartments are one thing, and I think like you know, obviously you know, with the economy that we're in, I'm not picky. I hate an open bedroom. That's what a studio apartment is. Well, though, yeah, yeah. I just her bed was like so close to her kitchen that it was like I get weird vibes from that. Like, yeah, I just other than that, look great. And you know, she's trying to find her own way and have her own place and sort of support herself. And I her get own. it. L.A. is not cheap. Yeah, that's probably like a two thousand dollar apartment. Like. <laughs> At the end of the day, um, they're talking with uh, Raquel about how Peter probably thinks there's more t- possible in this relationship than Raquel does. And Raquel, they're like, you kind of have to set a boundary with him. She also didn't understand what the word boundary was. Oh, didn't she say like Sandoval had to explain to her what a boundary is? Uh, I don't remember that, but it was like also if you're looking to, if you're looking to Sandoval to explain something to you, maybe check your source. Yeah, but, I mean, but Raquel was also the master of, like, not understanding words this episode because she later, like, says that Peter had, like, consolidated her when she meant console. Like, <laughs> yeah. It was like, oh, God, Raquel. Oh, no, she meant he got her together. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and then there's also the, we find, we hear this discussion that, like, also Raquel's keeping the dog in the relationship with James. And, like, not letting him see the dog. Which, there was a lot of discussion, like, th- these first two episodes about, like, dogs as if they're children like, they are well yes but like the like because tom and katie are also essentially doing like custody exchanges with the dogs and it's like i think make up your mind at the end of like like i am fine because the dogs like have emotional connections to these humans and like they're not involved in this dispute like they shouldn't be hurt for this and like the best way to do, and also taking someone's pet away on top of also taking away, you know, someone that they're in a relationship with. That's just an extra layer of cruelty. I yeah. think like I get that there's like something you've got to do because there's a living animal here. Like you've got to do something, but like, I think where a relationship can be maintained with both people, that's, but also just don't have pets with people that you're not married to. Yeah. That's true. Like I get the the Katie and um, uh, Schwartz thing, but like I, I don't. But oh, but she also had, um, she also had that dog before her and James got together. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's that's where it's like. Yeah, that. I mean, I get why she has full custody then. Full. Uh, cu- it's not a child, but it is a child, but it's not a child. She also said at one point when they're talking about the Peter stuff that ba- like Raquel, because they were talking about how they saw her them making out at Sir or whatever. Mm-hmm. And she basically was like, I don't have a real inclination to make out with Peter when I'm sober. And everyone's like, that's a sign. That <laughs> is a clear indication. That you should not be with this man. Um, and then so they're getting ready for the Daily Mail party at Schwartz and Sandy's. Um, we'll get into it later too. Like there's all this discussion about from Schwartz about how like the bar was what ended his marriage and that they put too much time into the bar and that's what separate. That's not what ended your marriage. I'm sorry. It was the final straw. Maybe. And I can also understand how it looks that way to Schwartz who does not dig down past the surface level of any emotion. Um, so <laughs> yeah, like I get why he thinks that it was the bar's fault, but it was not the bar's fault. Yeah. Um, J- oh, 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 and then this scene, uh, we go to lunch with James and Allie, Allie being James's new girlfriend. And like, James is just like, he cannot put on a face to save his life and at like, all. Like he, according to me, so over Raquel and he doesn't mind that he's, she's dating Peter and it's, you know, getting with his sweaty old dick or whatever he said, like, Ugh. 
like, and like, he's so happy with Allie and like, it's just like, it was really uncomfortable to watch. This was almost more uncomfortable. Very sweaty, old, saggy dick. That's what it was. It's like, my God, more adjectives, please. Um, but this, this lunch was almost more awkward than the Peter Raquel lunch. Like in terms of Allie's just like, she's so she's way too young and she it, this relationship is not a healthy dynamic just from the start in terms of like and it's nothing on on her part it's just like J- number one james is not ready no number two james has the emotional range of a teaspoon <laughs> um and number three he's a child no children are more emotionally mature than james is um but either way he's immature and he really needs to get a grip on himself and do some growing up. He he needs a good year, year and a half of not putting his dick in anything. Yeah. And and also uh, not putting his tongue in everything. Uh, as geez. we saw when this, I have never been more disgusted watching a reality show and seeing Allie take a bite out of this burger and then have like a piece of like lettuce or something hanging out of her mouth and James going in and biting the lettuce out to eat it. It was, this is not lady of the tramp. You are not cute. This is not spaghetti. Stop it. I was like, Oh no, like do not like that. I, I was so turned off by that in like, in a and very did this visceral in public. way. Like, like it wasn't even in the privacy of your home. Like you did this in public and the while other people are trying to eat. Disgusting. Yeah. So we go to Swartz and Sandy's for the big Daily Mail party. Uh James is DJing. He's DJing on toilet paper again like the last time. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> Which I thought was funny. It was even the same brand. Yeah. <laughs> Got to keep that uh Northern. Um and then, you know, Lisa and Ken come, obviously, and they're admiring the place. She's like, she, Lisa's praising the decor, but also saying that it looked like they designed it on mushrooms, which probably, I mean, in fairness, this was a, I mean, it's one of those things where you sort of visualize everything and you're like, that's not supposed to work, but it does end, end up coming together in a way that's. Yeah. They ordered fabric in every pattern of imaginable and even some that were not imaginable. Yeah. Oh, so the, everyone's kind of conversing around and they're having a good time. And, uh, Lisa finds out from James that Peter and Raquel are hooking up and then promptly pulls Peter aside. <laughs> and is like, you can't do that. Like, like, like we're past the point. But also like she says in her confessional, like, you know, we're in a different age right now, you know, with the me too movement, this power dynamic stuff. can't. It's like, you needed the Me Too movement to learn that your manager shouldn't be sleeping with your waitresses? Yeah. Why? Like, that's my thing. I'm just like, this was like, I get that we consider that time like an awakening, but like that but stuff you should, that stuff you should have already known, Lisa. She's very business minded. She's very, um, by the books and by the rules sort of thing. Right. So I can, she just doesn't care as long as it doesn't affect the bottom line. It doesn't affect the ability to do the job. Yeah. That, yeah, that's fair. And and we've seen that from her in past seasons. Like she doesn't care as long as the job's getting done. Yeah. Which I also, I found it funny. So she has this conversation with Peter, basically advising Peter that he needs to sort of break this off. And then Raquel finally gets the courage to break it off with Peter. Like, I think it was like 74 seconds after the conversation. Literally. He like turns around and there's, (laughs) there's Raquel. And Raquel's like, are you okay with that? And Peter's like, I'm fine with that. (laughs) Like, 
and so they kind of go their separate ways in that regard. Uh, well, and because Sheena was the one that was kind of encouraging Raquel to sort of break it off with Peter. I thought it was like Sheena, these last two episodes, has feel, it's kind of felt more like a background character more than anything. It's so weird because she was literally the start of this whole show. It may be, but I think her being that background, it's kind of why I've liked her these last two episodes. I normally in the last couple seasons have been like Sheena. She's cringy in that kind of reality way, but also like in terms of like actual person, she's very off putting. I feel, yeah. but like she's kind of just been like flowing in a way where it's like, I actually don't mind it. Um, and she offers for Schwartz to come on to her podcast to sort of talk about the Katie stuff, which we'll see next episode, which is probably going to be awful. Yeah, yeah pr- probably a big mistake on, on Schwartz's part. But what's new? Um, <laughs> then we get uh, also Greg, the property manager, sort of like li- liaison person for Schwartz and Sandy's is talking with Lisa and kind of being like, Lisa, they're running me fucking ragged. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I, I did not think I would have to deal like with these kind of like, and Lisa's like, yeah, I had to deal with the same thing with Tom Tom. Like, yeah. Uh, and it's funny because we're seeing right now, um, in the way that they are working on Schwartz and Sandy's kind of what, um, Ariana and Katie have been saying of late when they're talking about their sandwich shop that they're starting. Yes. And that they're going, we're just not going to do it that way. Yeah. <laughs> and like passively criticizing the way that the Toms have really kind of managed both of these shops opening or um, restaurants opening. And um, they're like, no, we're, we're going to not do any aesthetics or anything before we have every contract drawn before we have our business plan in place before we have everything else done and squared away we're not even going to look at things that actually cost money right yeah and and i can understand when you're somebody who's done it for a long time and has opened these restaurants for a long time that it could be kind of mind-numbing to deal with like more personalities in that regard yeah um and then tom and katie sort of like you know get together and like Kate and Katie compliments Tom on the, on the place. And like, but it's also awkward just in the sense of like, I think Katie at one point was like, was it worth it? Like in terms of our marriage and stuff like that. And like Katie, like it's just like, you never put me first in terms of anything. It's not just the bar. Like it's like the bar is just what you focused on instead of your wife. That is not the problem. The problem was you weren't focusing on your wife. Yeah. That's, that's the core at the end of the day. Um, and so they're kind of left in this weird kind of awkward place at the end of the episode, but which apparently is going to get much worse next week. So, oh yeah, that'll be exciting to see. Um, but that was a Vanderpump rules for this week. Uh, again, I think they're firing all cylinders in terms of what they're bringing out. Completely agree. There's good ebb and flow to the, to the flow of the episode. And it's just, it's like you said, firing on all cylinders. Uh, before we get into our uh, tops and bottoms of the week, I do want to mention that as of this uh, podcast release on this Friday, Jen Shaw of um, Salt Lake City will be going into custody to serve her six and a half year sentence on her uh, fraud charges. Uh, I believe she's going 
It's going to be in Houston, Texas is where she's serving her sentence. At least that's where she's starting. She might get transferred at some point, but that's where she's starting. I saw she got matching tattoos or whatever with her son before going, which, you know, I I feel for her sons and her family, but it's like, I think we're at the point where I feel for her sons. Yeah. Well, at at this point, I believe her husband was complicit. I believe he was involved. And uh, she took the fall so that he could stay making money and uh, take care of the kids. Yeah, I, I think that's a viable like theory. I just think like, you know, at the end of the day, like and she still hasn't. Re- I mean, I don't know the people who gave her, her email address, if they have secret information that we all the public don't know. But she still hasn't given her full story and her full truth. I I'm sure th- it will drop tomorrow on the 17th when she goes into pr- prison. I heard there was like a rumor that she's doing a um, um, I for- oh, what's the name of that famous like podcast that's been doing like like she this this famous podcast she interviewed like julia fox in like an interview Mm -hmm. she recently interviewed adam levine about the whole maroon five like him sending those dms to that girl stuff oh right 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 i forgot i can't remember her name off the top of my head but like i there's rumors that she's got a sit down with jen shaw i don't know huh i i i don't know if i'm interested at the end of the day because i don't know if i would necessarily believe anything jen says anymore it's like you know, she'll serve her time. Hopefully, you know, the victims can get some sort of like, you know, reciprocity in terms of everything they've been through. It's just, yeah, it's not as, it, I'm not going to be clamoring. Like I, I know a lot of people were when Teresa went to jail about like the, all the inner goings of like everything that she's having to deal with. Cause it's like, and also six and a half years, it's like, it's going to be, they're not going to put Salt Lake city on pause for that long, obviously. So I feel like the show's going to move on without her. Yeah. I am. Um, for one, looking forward to forgetting that Shin, Jin Shaw exists. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, I mean, like it was a, it was a journey when it was, you know, in the beginning, but it's just like, and apparently I'm looking forward to Mary uh, getting back onto uh, Salt Lake City yeah, next just season. Sl- just, just slot, slot in another... Slot another problematic person in. We tend to do that on this show. I mean, yeah. <laughs> Salt Lake's got plenty. Uh, <laughs> but no. Obviously, sad for her kids. But, you know. Bye. <laughs> bye. But let's get into our tops and bottoms of the week. Uh, and cross everything that we've been watching. What are uh, what are yours, babe? Um, I think that my bottom definitely has to be uh, whoever decided to edit the Daytona Win Challenge that yeah, way. Yeah, the drivers like, editors should have been lip syncing. Like <laughs> literally, they should have been like, um, "I'm sorry, you people back there, come out here lip sync." Um, what are you getting fired at the end of this? How about write a good uh, acting challenge for uh, RuPaul's Drag Race? Let's do that challenge. Do that challenge. <laughs> do that challenge. Um, I think my top of the week, I'm probably going to say Teresa. Oh, okay. She's really, um, I'm, as much as I don't agree with her um, in like things from the past, I really do think that she is trying to move forward and trying to be a better version of herself. I think a lot of that is due to Louis yeah. uh, and his influence. But um, at the end of the day, it's her work that she's putting in. Um, and I think that when someone puts in effort like that, 
you you have to recognize and celebrate that. We didn't talk about her and Louie on I Watch What Happens Live, but she seems so much like calmer. Oh yeah. And and like even despite when, having that awful, awful jumpsuit that oh, she was wearing. Stop it, Teresa, stop it with the jumpsuits. Like you're a beautiful girl. Stop. Like, but she seemed even with like the Joe stuff, like just kind of like resound with it. Like I wish them yeah. the best, but like yeah. you know, and you know, maybe that's the healing of it all. Um, so my tops and bottoms for this week, I'm going to give my top to Kiki over in Miami. I thought Kiki was an underrated star this episode. I want more of Kiki, even if it's not upgrading her next season to like full-time housewife. Like I want more of her backstory. I want know, to know about her origins and where she's come from and sort of that journey. I mean, she was giving us peeing on the beach. She was giving us Oscar acting performances. Like she was like, she, <laughs> like she had the joke. She had the confessional lines. Like she, I think, and I think with Miami with having like the way the friends of and the main cast is structured, you can slot people in and out pretty easily. And I would love her to be slotted in, into a full-time housewife next season. I would love for her to just pointedly order a mojito. Yes. At some point. It's just like, or just do it repeatedly. Just like, can I have a mojito, please? And then just leave it at that. It'd just be, it'd be really funny and it'd be a good montage to show at the end of the season. Yeah. And my bottom for this week, I won't go into too much detail because I don't want to churn anything in my stomach, but James Kennedy for uh. that whole burger scene. I Disgusting. <laughs> it was terrible. <laughs> I've never, I've never been so reviled in my life. It was, I, I, I have nightmares because of that. Thank you, James. <laughs> that is somehow the worst thing you've done on this show. <laughs> and it's not like it's a lot, a short list that he's having to contend with. He's got a laundry list of all, Awful things he's done on this show, and that is at the top. Congrats, of the list. James! You, you're my bottom for the week. Hey, thanks for joining us this week on A Gay and His Envy. Tune in next week for more of our recaps and hot takes. Be sure to subscribe and leave a review wherever you're listening, and check us out on our social media at A Gay and His Envy on all the platforms. A special shout out to Shane Ivers who wrote Pulsar, the song we're using for our theme. For my husband Amon, I'm Merlin, and we're out. This show is a member of the Sorgatron Media Podcast Network. Find out more at sorgatronmedia.com.